Hello, everyone. Welcome back into Locked On Suns, part of Locked On Podcast Network. Today, as always, I'm your host, Evan Sider. I'm joined by my co-host, Brendan Clean. You can follow me on Twitter, at Sider. You can follow Brendan on Twitter, at BrendanClean14. We're back on Tuesday for part two of our mock draft, going one through 31. Might not even have to go through 31 if the Suns do end up trading that pick, but might have to find out later on this podcast if we do end up trading that or not. But we're back. We're going to quickly just, if you listen to part one, go do that, because you're not really going to understand what's going on if you haven't listened to part one yet. So... A lot of interesting deals went down in part one at 14. Suns did take eight and no. Yes. So, you know, you sometimes people get mad at us about that on here, but don't ignore part one because you think we picked Doncic. We picked Aiton. There were some interesting trades in the back half of the lottery, uh, something that, you know, didn't involve the Suns, could have, still might on draft night. So things shook out pretty interestingly. People should definitely check it out. Yeah, obviously there's been a lot of rumors floating around today. It's kind of the rumor mill day, and it's we're less than 72 hours from the draft, so that's kind of getting a little crazy time around here. So I want, it really honestly wouldn't surprise me if we're recording over the next few days, Brennan, and something breaks while we're recording. Yeah, it, it probably will happen. We're doing a mailbag on Wednesday, so maybe that'll be a free-form one without a guest where we can respond to it in real time, keep our phones out and whatever, but it's definitely that time of year. Oh, for sure. I, I guess no no need for more introductions here with the mock drafts. You guys already listened to part one, so if you haven't already, one more time, I'll plug that. Go listen to part one. But part two, we're back on the clock with the Phoenix Suns. Brennan, you are, have the evens. I have the odds still. Or excuse me, I have the evens. You have the odds. So I'm at 16, and the Suns, we just lost Colin Sexton. I picked 15 since the Hawks traded in front of us for Colin Sexton. So we Shea and Colin Sexton are off the board. Uh, this is a tough one for the Suns because we were expecting Colin Sexton to still be there. but Oh, this is so easy. It's Aaron Holiday. Oh, uh, <laughs> honestly. I'm just kidding. You don't have to do that. We were realistic at number one. We can do better than the Suns actually will on, at 16. You know what? I'm going to throw a curveball here. I, I, I honestly think it's going to be Aaron Holiday if they go this direction because he's the only guy that worked out twice, or at least we know of they worked out twice. But I'm going to go in the direction here of Troy Brown. He's kind of a guy I'm really liking for the Suns because he fits the versatile vision. We picked him in a locked-on podcast mock draft. If you haven't listened to that, go check that out. And that's the one we took Luka Doncic, and everyone kind of freaked out about it. But it was kind of a good thing because, surprisingly, all the GMs wanted Luka, so it kind of made us feel a little bit better. But with Troy Brown, I think he makes so much sense in Phoenix because he's not that good of a shooter right now, but he played point guard all throughout high school. He has the playmaking, secondary playmaking. He has the versatility on defense. And if he becomes a plus shooter, I think he immediately is a better player than TJ Warren. So... I, maybe I'm throwing TJ under the bus there because he averaged 20 points per game last year. But Troy can pass and defend, but he can't really shoot yet. But once he knows how to shoot, that's kind of the gamble here at 16. Do you think this is a good gamble for the Suns to take at 16 if they do go DeAndre at number one with Troy Brown? I think it is, especially because there might be some overlap, which we talked about in the Locked On uh, Network mock draft that we did with Brown and Doncic. They do similar things and... Both are bigger playmakers, but especially assuming the Suns do pick Aiden, I think Brown makes a ton of sense. The other thing to mention with him is he's one of the young, absolute youngest players in this class. Um, you know, really didn't have much of an opportunity, didn't really earn it, but didn't really have the opportunity at Oregon to do a lot of uh, playmaking in general. They had a shorter point guard that had a little more veteran experience. They played him on the ball the majority of the time. Brown had to do some things he wasn't comfortable with really only made his mark in transition some defensive flashy highlights and things like that but he would be more of a project but like you said at 16 those are the risks you have to take and he could potentially down the line be a really interesting guy to just kind of 
throw a wrench in everything from a versatility standpoint. Yeah, I think honestly, the more I think about it, I kind of soured on Troy Brown like a month or two ago. But once I watched him a couple of times more, I thought, wow, he's kind of fits perfectly into the modern BA. And he's a guy that could immediately carve out a 20, 25 minute per game role, and especially in Phoenix, too. Yeah, I agree for sure. I'm excited with 17. I think Milwaukee, there's a lot of guys that fit really well with them. I don't know why. I've, I've like latched onto this Bucks pick as like they're going to change their team here. But um, am I am I good to go? Uh, actually, do you know what? Miami, I'm, I'm going to throw on Pat Riley's GM hat here. And Miami, I've heard, has been trying to aggressively get into the at least the teens, maybe the 20s of this draft. They don't have a first-round pick. And this one's kind of interesting to me because it makes your team better. I don't. I, I don't remember who the GM of the Bucks is. It, is it Mike Boonholzer now? It is John Horst. John Horst. Okay, Mister John Horst. It's the young guy who uh, who they kind of promoted out of nowhere when Hammond left for Orlando. I'm going to throw you a doozy here. I think this is a really good trade for you. So hear me out. I know you might be latched onto a guy at 17, but you lose your pick this year in the first round, which could be kind of dicey for you. But I think the guy you get back it kind of makes up for it with his fit next to Giannis. But we want some extra cap space in 2019, but we also want a guy that we're targeting at, at 17. So here it goes. Milwaukee. Are you about to pair Drogic and, and Bledsoe again? No, I'm not, actually. I'm going to send out okay, Bledsoe. Okay. <laughs> I'm sending out Bledsoe. I want Bledsoe for his expiring contract, and you get Goran Drogic. So Bledsoe and 17 for Goran. Sun's Twitter would melt if Bledsoe and Drogic got traded for one another on draft night. That would be more important than what happened with number one. Honestly, it probably would be. I think I think that's a, a real a much better fit than we ultimately I think, you know, I was a little more sour on Bledsoe's fit with Giannis than I think the national media was when that trade happened in November, but it worked out even worse than I think anyone thought, especially come playoff time when Bledsoe really just wasn't creating shots. That's his whole value to that team. Dragic can do that. He also can shoot off the ball much better. I think that that does make some sense. But, you know, there's also the Budenholzer, Budenholzer fit there with that's much more of a bud point guard than Bledsoe is. Let's see. They have to make a decision on Jabari this summer. They're probably trying to get rid of some salary. Bledsoe and Dragic make about the same amount of money. What's the deal again with the picks? I'm just sending you um, straight up 17 and Goron for the experience. I'm sorry, I'm sending Goron for Bledsoe and the number 17 overall pick. That's it. I think I would do that. I don't, it would really surprise, I don't understand where the Dragic rumors are coming from in general. It doesn't make any sense to me that they would trade the best player on their team. But I guess if you get an asset for it and you're able to bring back an expiring deal, free up some money to improve the team, then it does make some sense. I think I would do that. Okay, from really quick before I make my pick for Miami, then we're locking that trade in. So that God, that's so crazy thing about Bledsoe trader for Dragic. I would seriously know NBA Twitter, but if that happens, what's your thoughts on maybe Miami? Because looking at their cap situation, they're not going to be players in 2019 unless they really do trade Goron, in my opinion. Because I, I can't see Hassan Whiteside, James Johnson, Deion Waiters, Kelly Olynyk, Tyler Johnson having really any value around the league outside of Goron. I think that there's certain guys. Tyler Johnson has a really gross contract, but, you know, I think Josh Richardson, there's not somebody that they should move on from, but they certainly could. Um, you know, maybe there's some potential with the sign-in trade for Justice Winslow next summer when he becomes a restricted free agent, or 
at the deadline if they want to move on from him. And maybe, again, he is a young player that they shouldn't necessarily move on from, but they might. Um, yeah, getting off of Whiteside should be really the priority for them. Maybe, you know, maybe they even flip 17 with Whiteside again. I don't know. It could be. Uh, it seems like that would be a lot to ask on Thursday night for all that to happen. But, you know, maybe whoever they pick at 17, they pick it for another team and pair them with Whiteside. I don't know. That should be the priority, but they definitely need to improve the team from a youth perspective and getting 17 for for somebody that they apparently want to move on from anyway. That's not uh, not outside the realm of possibility. Okay, so we'll lock that in. Goran for Bledsoe. I, I can't believe I'm even saying so that. who are you picking? Kevin Herter. I'm going to go Kevin Herter right here. They need some shooting. I like his fit behind Deion Waiters for a year before Waiters maybe gets traded or something like that. I, I like him more than Tyler Johnson as well. What's your thoughts on Herter at 17? Cause it seemed like his stock is kind of super rose over the past month or so to the point where I can't see him falling past 21 in Utah. Yeah, with him, I'm kind of just wondering how the injury impacts things. It doesn't seem like it will too much. At least there hasn't been much. I think I'm expecting Gavoni to update his board probably Wednesday or something, and we'll kind of see the last lay of the land there. But it doesn't seem like it will, especially if it's something like Chris Stone said teams maybe knew about at the Combine and it's expected to be perfectly fine by training camp. Uh, so I, I, I agree with you. He, he's not going to fall much further with just the value that his skill set has in, in the league today with that amazing shooting ability and some feel for some of the secondary playmaking stuff that he maybe can do one day. I think he is an awesome fit for the Heat because he's really an awesome fit for most any team. Now, it's kind of weird to say because I feel like the NBA has changed so much in the past three or five years, but is Kevin Herter a first-round pick in 2012 instead of 2018? I think maybe he's more close to what he was throughout the end of the college season, around the early second. But, I mean, shooting has always been valuable, right? So especially if he came to the Combine and did what he ended up doing this year, I still think teams would value that. Maybe not quite as high. You're probably right there. But, you know, I think he still would be – Talent is talent in my mind. His, he's still a really good passer, too. I think that's the other part of his value that made him rise. That's a good point. I guess we can move on from there with Miami locking in Kevin Herter. We did trade Goron for Bledsoe straight up to have some salary cap relief for Miami for 2019, which could be obviously in play on Thursday, but that's a really interesting trade in my point of view. So Milwaukee loses their first-round pick, but they gain back probably one of the better fits, in my opinion, with Goron next to Giannis. But I'm back on the clock at number 18 with San Antonio. This is where it gets interesting for me. Do you think 18 could be packaged on draft night as far as maybe like a Kawhi kind of thing or really not not at all? I think the only way that they would do that, I saw some rumor about the Spurs trying to be more aggressive. See, this is what happens during draft week. You just see something on Twitter and you can't source it and you don't know who it was even from, if they're believable or not. But it does make sense to me, which is, uh, trying to get off the power souls contract, especially in the event, which seems like a likelihood at this point that they move on from Kawhi Leonard sometime between now and the middle of July. I think that if they're going to be rebuilding or even just kind of refiguring their team, having a big contract for a guy nearing retirement like power soul doesn't make a ton of sense. So to me, that would probably be the play if they were going to get rid of this pick. Otherwise, maybe the only other way it moves is if Kawhi suddenly agrees to stay and they're trying to add talent around him. Um, that seems very unlikely, though. 
Okay, so we, from Santana's point of view, we were hoping for maybe the next Kawhi 2.0 and Zaire to be there 18. We were also hoping for Troy Brown to be there, but they're both not there. So we're going to go with our third option here, and that's KBD, Keita Bates-Diop from Ohio State. He kind of fits what they're looking for with Kawhi probably on the way out. He gives them the length of versatility Kawhi game. Obviously not the level that Kawhi does, but he's kind of the foundational skill set looking for for like a mid-round steal, isn't he? Yeah, it's really weird that he's one of those guys that somehow just fell in this latest board that Gaboni put up last week, the week before. I don't know how much of that actually comes to fruition. I mean, he's older. That's the one knock on him. He's 22, turned 23 during the next NBA season. Not as young as some rookies, especially considering how you probably expect him to really need to improve his ball handling to become a dominant scorer in the NBA. That's something all guys have to adjust to. But I agree with you, especially in San Antonio. You believe his shot will get better. You'll believe his feel for the game will get better in that, in that program. So I don't know why he would fall to 29 like he's at on their board. And I think that I think he's made sense to me in San Antonio all along. And Rudy Gay just declined his option today. So they have even less depth at that combo forward spot. Oh, wow. Yeah, that definitely shows you there that they might target a wing on draft night then maybe move up for one because with Rudy, that's kind of surprising. Rudy Gay declines player option. Wasn't like $15 million? Yeah. I don't think it was that much. It was a lot, but I think it, it, this is really surprising. Me. I mean, I don't know who's giving him double-digit millions of dollars on July 1st. Uh, not the Suns, I guess. I can say that for sure, but maybe there's some team. I sure hope not because I can't remember the last season that Rudy Gay was even healthy, like six, seven years ago. Yeah, exactly. I, I mean, he's he was solid, but like... I don't know. It's odd. Everyone seems to be picking up their options. I saw the oldest guy on the market decline his, and I took the double take. Oh, yeah, that's definitely crazy season around here, especially with free agency as well. And Thaddeus Young from the Pacers might decline his player option of like $14 million. really surprises me. Yeah, but. That's, that's another one that's pretty crazy. All right, so what? 19 went to yeah, the, the Phil- Wizards, yeah, right? Okay. So I'm on the clock for Washington. Yeah, really quickly, just for people, if they haven't listened to part one, what was the trade again for the Wizards on that? It was nineteen and nineteen and thirty for fifteen, and the Atlanta took Sexton, but that means I'm making two Wizards picks now. So they have nineteen and they have thirty. Um, let's see who they will pick there. You got your guy. Part Robert, of the thinking was they were Robert Williams. They were going to take later. big, right? Yeah, and Robert Williams is still on the board, and that's who they wanted. If that's who I was about to pick at fifteen until you came in, so I guess it's a win-win for them. And yeah, that's still the pick for me. Um, there's some other guys there. I think that the Wizards should be playing smaller next year if they can, but I think that's a problem they can solve with 30. So I think, yeah, Robert Williams and kind of replace Martin Gortat, get a more uh, modern guy in there and some youth in the front court and somebody who can grow with Wall as he enters his crazy new contract. Uh, yeah, that makes a lot of sense for me. I'm, I'll lock that one in right away. Yeah, I don't think there's really much else to talk about there because their their rotation for center is Jan Mahimi and Marcin Gortat. So that kind of tells you all you need to know about where they should go on draft night. So I think Robert Williams makes a lot of sense to Washington. But we're going to bounce over now to number 20 overall to the Minnesota Timberwolves. And they're kind of an interesting spot here. And I think there's really not many guys I like here on the board. So I'm going to go with Dante DiVincenzo of Villanova here. It might be kind of a reach in my opinion, but I think he makes a lot of sense from Minnesota's point of view because he adds shooting, and that's exactly what they need. So what do you think about DiVincenzo in Minnesota? Is that kind of reach for you? No, I don't think so. I think DiVincenzo could go higher than people expect at this point. With Even 16? Just team, yeah, teams that have worked him out that are 
not really in the range at 25-30 to pick him, you're like, well, if he's getting interest up there, that really means that those guys are looking at him. So, you know, I think the fact that he stayed in the draft kind of put anything on the table for me. If he really felt confident about getting a first-round pick, being picked in the first round, then he's probably hearing from teams much higher. Because if he's just hearing from 28, 29, 30, he might not want to, you know, come to the draft. So he's probably feeling pretty confident. That makes me think that a team that high easily could take him. So I think his talent matches that, and I, I don't think that's an awful pick at all. Okay, that'll be a quick discussion for me then. We'll lock in Dante DiVincenzo for Tom Thibodeau. I, I'm sure he'll love him. I'm sure Dante will love Tom Thibodeau over the next couple of years. So that could be an interesting little duo there. But number 21 is the Utah Jazz, Brennan, you're back on the clock. There's still some interesting names there to put next to Donovan Mitchell if you wanted to. Yeah, I think Elio Kobo makes a lot of sense. He's another guy who not maybe not coincidentally is exactly at the spot that his team makes the most sense on ESPN's board. Uh, similar to Kevin Knox, like we talked about with the Knicks in part one. So I think Okobo is my pick. I mean, he fits nicely next to Mitchell, somebody who's more of a combo guard to match with Mitchell's skill set and can shoot, create his own shot long enough to grow on defense. That's another program in Utah that you kind of trust to develop players. Um, he told media on his son's workout day that he's ready to come play next season. And so maybe he's their eventual, eventual replacement for Ricky Rubio, um, somebody that can grow alongside Mitchell, fit their timeline a little bit better. So I think that's a, you know, in the international connection with Quinn Snyder seemingly bringing in a couple new international guys every year, probably more comfortable for Okobo himself to go to a situation like that too. Yeah, I actually like that pick a lot. I think he'd be a, I think it's kind of the guy that sent that to me in this 20-ish range that could be a real, really sleeper, kind of a, like a gem on draft night when we look back a couple years from now because he kind of has some sneaky upside to him. Yeah, I think so. The other guy I considered was Anand Musa, who somehow is still on the board as well. He's who I was actually going to pick with Milwaukee before we did the deal with Miami. So he was the other guy I considered just from that international connection perspective. I also considered Anthony Melton because I think he's another good fit next to Mitchell. But... I think, yeah, after thinking about all that, another point guard type to replace Rubio makes more sense. Okay, here, Aaron, for number 22, Chicago Bulls, and back on the clock. And I, I know everyone points to this pick as Chandler Hutchison as probably a promise. I know he got a green room invite. Oh. But, yeah, I'm, I'm, the same, yeah. I'm the same boat as you. Like, I, I don't see the first-round hype with Chandler Hutchison. I'm going to pass on that. Maybe it might be a little off the curve there, but I just don't see him being a, really a top 40 prospect in my opinion. So wouldn't surprise you, though, if the Bulls made a stupid decision like a month ago about the draft. They were the, probably the worst team at the draft in the whole league. So the idea that they gave this guy a first-round promise the day after the combine is not really a surprise. No, that would be typical guard packs, wouldn't it? Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, it probably is who they pick, but we can ignore that because it's not the right decision. Yeah, for maybe for guard packs it will be, but for number twenty two, I'm going to go Aaron Holiday because I think Chris Dunn kind of really confuses me. I don't know if he's a long term asset for them or not. So they need some shooting next to Zach Levine's more shooting with Larry Markin as well. What's your thoughts on Holiday? And they have his brother on the team. Oh yeah, that's right, Justin. So yeah, I mean, yeah. that's an even better fit now. If we think about that. So what do you think about Aaron Holiday joining his brother in Chicago? Yeah, I mean, I think too. Even if Dunn is a uh long-term guy for them they can play together I liked Trey Young for them at seven in certain situations depending on who's there I think that's somebody who they could look at too so I think that finding a more of an offensive especially a shooter next to Dunn 
makes a lot of sense. They have a, des- a decision to make on Zach Levine this summer, which will really dictate however they feel about him will really dictate what they do on Thursday and what they do in free agency. But for now, I you know knowing what we do, which is nothing, I think Holiday is a solid player to, to take, especially at 22. 16, a reach, 22, okay. Okay, number 23, Indiana. I think from – I've, I've, I grew up a Pacers fan, so I kind of know more of like what they need, and I, I think a point guard is probably what they need to go after. But man, the last few picks of the Kobu and Holiday probably really hurt them. So, where do you think Indiana goes here? Yeah, I, I agree with you, and that's where I've been going a lot of the time with the fan sided mocks that I do. But you're right; it kind of all of a sudden got sucked out from them. So I might even just go with Zan and Musa, okay. who I think at that point would be pretty good value, falling to that point and. They're going to need scoring. Uh, that's the thing about this team is they kind of put together an offense out of nowhere this year, but Bogdanovich is going to be off the books in the, after this season or after the next season. Thaddeus Young, like we talked about, might decline his player option. So Darren Collison was on a short deal. Those are all veterans anyway. That's not who you know they're really going to win with in the future when Miles Turner, Victor Oladipo are ready to compete at that level. So I think adding a scorer like Musa a younger one especially. He's another young guy in this draft. Maybe doesn't come over next year, but continues to get better as a shooter and playmaker and comes over in a couple of seasons and is ready to contribute for them. So I actually like that fit quite a bit if they can kind of put get another defensive piece because his defense is going to be a question mark. Yeah, actually, I really like that fit too, thinking about more. And I think Indiana, all of a sudden, I think I, I saw a picture of Miles Turner today. It seems like he's on the Victor Oladipo workout plan. He got a six-pack of abs in like three weeks' time. So maybe – what's your thoughts on the Pacers' future? Because all of a sudden I feel like they have a really bright one. They sure do. I mean, they have top 15 player in the league all of a sudden, which they just thought they, they had one that was about to walk out the door, and now they found another one. Um, but I think they have a lot of questions for the reasons I just said, which is that all their – Pretty much outside of Oladipo, their main contributors contributors last year were veterans, older veterans too, not you know, 25, 26 like Oladipo is, but guys in near 30. So they're going to need to really still focus on the draft, focus on player acquisition, young guys developing them. They're not there yet, but obviously having Oladipo is a miracle that no other team ever gets that lucky, you know? Yeah, I, I honestly laughed at that deal from my point of view because I thought, wow, like the Pacers just traded away their franchise player for peanuts. But it turns out those two guys are – I think, I think that's kind of a thing where I think Victor Oladipo is better than Paul George in a couple of years. So I think they won out – Well, pretty- sure, and he's young too. Like if they had just re-signed George, they're taking him until he's 32 or whatever. This way they get a guy in the prime of his career who's going to get better. He got this much better in one season. Yeah, I was at Talking Sick Resort Arena the night that, that happened because I was covering the Mercury game on June 30th. And so I uh, all the rumors were flying around right as game time was approaching. And obviously there's a lot of people in there that follow the NBA too. And all of a sudden it happened and we're all just like, what in the world? It was like 8 o'clock at night and all of a sudden Ramona Shelburne tweets, just Sabonis and Oladipo, no picks. And we're all just laughing at the Pacers. And now look, now they have maybe the better player, like you said. Yeah, I honestly really like that pick for Dazna Musa for the Pacers 23. So we'll lock that in for you, Brandon. I guess we can go on number 24 overall to Portland. I, I, like, I, I like this one a little bit because I think my guy, I'm, I'm, I'm probably a little higher on than most people, but Melvin Frazier of Tulane is going to be who I'm taking here for number 24. 
I think he makes a lot of sense for what they need defensively. Could be a replacement for Al Farouk Aminu once he's once he's expiring, he's done in 2019. So I think that's a really quick one for me because I think Melvin Frazier has some sneaky good upside. Yeah, he's the other guy that could they're, – they're the other team, rather, that could be the destination for Hutchison, maybe. But I think, again, he's probably not a first-rounder in my book. So I think uh, Frazier or any other wing, really, would be a solid fit. So if you if you like Frazier, then I think that's that's perfectly reasonable to me. I don't think there's really much else to talk about with that pick since we both like Melvin Frazier over Chandler Hutchison for Portland. So you're back on the clock with the LA Lakers via the Larry Nance trade from last year. They got the 25th overall pick. So what's your thoughts on that? Because from my point of view, Mitchell Robinson for you? Yeah, I think that's, I think that is who I will pick here. Um, kind of just for, you know, they filled every other position with a young player, so take a center now. Brooke Lopez, obviously not the answer for them long-term, and somebody who was helpful, but I think ideally you have some more defense at that position. Robinson sort of maybe seems like he might be a shooter someday. It's really tough to tell with him what he becomes. He has a little mid-range jumper that he had in high school. In all the workout videos, he's been trying NBA threes, who knows what he becomes, but to have that much of a defensive potential for a center, I think you have to draft him and, you know, hope that it works out. Yeah, I agree with that. I think that's a really good pick in my opinion because it's crazy to say, but he might be the starting center next year with LeBron, Paul, George, and Kawhi, which would be really just unfathomable to think about at this moment in time. But I think it's possible. But just, I guess we can move on now to number 26 overall. And since I also have the pick for number 31. Actually, no, you have the pick for number 31 with the Suns. One of the guys I really like for the Suns is starting to fall a little bit to the position that I'm liking, and that's DeAnthony and Melton. And I don't know if, Phil, yeah. if, if Phil, I don't know if Philadelphia really needs him. So I'm going to go with – I mean, I know they worked him out today, but so he really could be in play at 26. But what do you think about them possibly offering up the Suns do? 31 – okay, I'll, I'll be in – Brett Brown shoes for a second. We'll give you, since you guys love DeAnthony Mellon so much in Phoenix, we'll give you 26 for 31 plus a future. Uh, let me think. What do you think is realistic for that deal? Because I'm kind of thinking on the fly here. Yeah, I mean, maybe even, let's see. Do you think the Suns would be move up for a guy like Mellon, maybe five spots like that? I kind of think if, especially if uh, Philly did work him out, like you said, I actually didn't even see that. That's kind of interesting. But. I think that there's a potential he falls. I mean, at the on the ESPN board, he, he is at 24, but he's another kind of mystery, I think, to some NBA teams. If, if a team in the back of the first round hasn't done their diligence on Melton and has already locked into one of these other guys, like Grayson Allen, who they're going to know way more about, Kyrie Thomas, another guy who was really high for a while and has kind of fallen, who teams are going to know more about having seen him for longer at school, maybe one of those guys you know, kind of takes his place and Melton's available at 31. I just, I feel like especially considering we're not even sure the Suns want to take even three rookies onto the roster next year, the idea that they trade up does seem unlikely to me. But at the same time, if a player like Melton come becomes available, they probably were already thinking about at 16, maybe things change. You know what? I'm just going to crush my own dreams here. I'm going to lock in D'Anthony Mel at 26. So let's just end that discussion right now. I guess, I guess since, <laughs> all right. since he's working out with the Sixers today, maybe that kind of tells you all you need to know about that alongside Kevin Knox. So maybe they do love his defense. I think he's a really good fit next to Ben Simmons as well. So 
him and Markel Fultz is a really good point guard duo. So I guess I'll go and break my own dreams here and do D'Anthony Miller at 26 for Philadelphia. What's your thoughts on that? Yeah, I mean, I think he does make sense. Um, you know, who knows what their roster will look like, but getting a complimentary player like that who can be a really good team player, not overly high usage, but can still be really valuable and effective. I think you can, that's the type of player you're never going to have too many of. And so trying to juggle him isn't going to be a tall order by any means. You can put him, if you get LeBron and you get Paul George, he can play. If you roll it back with Ben Simmons and J.J. Redick, he can play with those guys too. So I think that that flexibility is no problem at all. Okay, so we're back on the clock here with Boston at 27. I think, honestly, I think if Melton was on the board here at 27, I think Boston would take him and, and just let Marcus Smart walk this summer because I think they're kind of he's kind of Marcus Smart 2.0 in my opinion. But since he's off the board, Brendan, what are you doing for Danny Ainge here at 27? Yeah, it's, it's, it's a tough one. There's a lot of guys I like that are gone. I want somebody with a little bit of shot creation upside because, I, I mean, we, we will they will get Kyrie Irving. We'll see Kyrie Irving and Gordon Hayward together finally to start of next season. So they're getting more offense, especially from what we saw in the Eastern Conference Finals. They're, neither one of those guys were playing, but especially on their second unit, even when those guys are back healthy, they're going to need some scoring. They didn't really have a ton of it. So I'd like somebody like that, but there's just not an easy candidate there. I mean, Jerome Robinson somehow has suddenly risen, but that Boston college connection and just, I just don't think Danny Andrews is the kind of guy to get swayed by a late riser like that. Um, I'll just, you know, I'll go with the person that I've liked a lot in that spot all year and just ignore the noise. So I'll go with Bruce Brown. I think his length and playmaking fits with what Boston tends to target. And, you know, like I said, that added shot creation that he showed at Miami uh, puts him a little bit higher for Boston specifically in my mind. You know, that's actually really ironic you said that because I was looking up some latest draft workouts today and Bruce Brown had a second workout today in Boston. So he might be on the sun there. <laughs> well, there you go. I didn't even know he had a first one. So I guess I'm uh, on the same wavelength as Danny Ainge. <laughs> there, hey, there we go. Maybe you can get a front office job and get mentored by him someday. That, I mean, honestly. Get an intern. I'll do all video internship. Yeah, if, if, there's, a, if there's an application I need to fill out, I will find it. <laughs> Yeah, honestly, I would do that as well. I mean, Danny Ainge, I, I still can't believe that Brooklyn trade happened a couple of years ago, and they're still reaping the benefits off that. It's still crazy to think about. But I guess we can move on yeah, here. That's wild. Move on here to Golden State, number 20 overall. I think they're just going to add the BPA. Probably a shooter, though. But I, I'm kind of in a quandary here of who I want to take, but I might— you re- see Gary Trent went to them in the ESPN mock this morning? Yeah, I don't like that. What do you think? That's wild. I don't think that makes any sense at all. You know, I'm going to reach here just a little bit. Maybe it's not, maybe not even reach, so to say, but just because I don't think he really won't play much his first year. But once Sean Livingston's contract expires, I like his fit as the guy behind Stephen Curry, and that's Jalen Brunson of Villanova. A proven winner. He's won two national titles. He goes to the situation that has probably the greatest team of all time on it, so why not? Yeah, I think that that could be easily be the pick, and – you know, maybe there's some overlap in Quinn Cook, but Quinn Cook's not the kind of guy you make roster building adjustments for. So I think Brunson's probably a better player than him anyway. Yeah, I, what do you think about this, the 31-ish range where these point guards are all going? Who do you, obviously we can keep Melton out of it because we're both high on him, but guys like Gary Trent, DiVincenzo, Kyrie Thomas, Shake Milton, Bruce Brown, Jalen Brunson. How does that all, like that little cluster of players, how does that rank for you? I would include Grayson Allen in there. I think of him and Javon Carter, probably the other two guys. But 
I think I'm higher on Milton than consensus. He's already, he's all the way down to 40 on ESPN's board. Um, probably a little lower on Carter. I don't think, I don't know if I'm sold on his offense. If he's just a spot up shooter, then it sure. But if he's a ball handler and that's how he feels most comfortable, I don't think that's what he, I don't think that's where he'll be an efficient player, valuable player to a team, even off the second unit. So he's probably a little lower to me. Um, I mean, I really like Jacob Evans. I'd probably put him above any of those guys, even though he's not really a point guard. More, He's more of a wing. But I think he has some playmaking potential as well. So he'd probably slope even higher, probably right behind or right ahead of Milton. But, you know, I think they're a lot really interchangeable. That's why we've seen them move around so much on big boards across the season. You know, it's ironic you say that because we're back on number 29 now. If you haven't heard about the trade we did with Brooklyn and Denver, Denver's picking at this selection. They moved down 15 spots. They got off Kenneth Fareed's contract. They got Spencer Didwitty back in return. I think it's a really good win-win trade for them. And the guy you just mentioned, Jacob Evans, he's my pick for Denver, number 29. I think he, he could be a guy that could be in play at 14, in my opinion. I'm really high on him. But getting Jacob Evans, Jacob Evans at number 29, doing that super good value for Denver? Yeah, I have no idea. He's another guy where if he actually falls that far, kind of like we were talking about with Kata Bates-Diop, if he actually falls that far, I would be completely surprised but, you know, he's been lingering there for a while now, and maybe the mid-major, the unfamiliarity that teams have with him, not having seen him quite as much, maybe that's part of it. Uh, but he, yeah, I agree with you. He's, he's really, really high on my board. I think he's somebody that Suns even could consider at 16, but I don't know if that will actually happen. It seems like the guys that the Suns brought at 16, Aaron Holiday twice, Keita Bates-Diop, Jacob Evans, Maybe Jalen Brunson, not Dante DiVincenzo are involved in that discussion as well. But from your point of view, that seems like the Suns are maybe leaning towards trading that pick. Is I don't remember many guys they brought in that were in play at sixteen outside of those guys I just mentioned. Yeah, that's true. There's a lot more who kind of seemed like undrafted. like candidates at thirty-one. Like who? It seemed like there was a lot of undrafted guys too. Well, that too, that was a little weird. Maybe that's normal and we just aren't used to it. But I, uh, I, it was interesting. I mean, I was kind of framing it in my head as like, oh, well, there's so much interchangeability. But 15 picks is quite a bit. So maybe they are just targeting a pick at 31 more likely than one at 16. But they also didn't really work out a lot of guys in the back half of the lottery that they would be trading up for from 16. So it, it's... It, puzzling a little bit that they use so many of those slots on guys who probably won't get drafted at all. Yeah, that's true. I guess we can move on to our final selection before the Suns are back on the clock with our final pick in this mock draft. And it's the Washington Wizards from the Atlanta Hawks. I'll recap that trade once more for you guys. The Hawks called up the Wizards. They got Colin Sexton in front of the Suns. So they got Colin Sexton alongside Jaron Jackson, number three overall, for number 19 and number 30. The Wizards got Robert Williams together. We're going to take a 15 anyway. So it's kind of a win-win for them, for them as well. But number 30 overall, the Wizards, seems like seems like BPA is the route to go here for them. I think so, but that's you, right? Uh, oh, yeah, it is, yeah. Let me think. Um, whew, this is a tough one for me because I don't really like a lot of people left on this board. Uh, um, number 30, who am I going to take for the Wizards? Who do, they probably need some more wing help, don't they? Yeah, like I was saying with their Robert Williams pick, I think they do need a center, but they also should be playing smaller. So it's a little bit odd to do both at once, but I think 
that they they do need a wing. I mean, they have Otto Porter, who's probably the best guy to play small at four at the four in the league, and they have Kelly Oubre, but that's kind of it. I think that if they could upgrade, have another wing who can help them do that, that would be the best. That would be my priority, but, I mean, Josh Okogi, that's another guy who we haven't picked yet. Yeah, and guess what? That's who I—that's exactly who I was going to say. So we are on the same wavelength there with Josh Okogi. I think he's a really good fair for BPA for the Wizards. What do you think about that pick? Yeah, I think that's that's perfect. I mean, he's not quite as tall and big as some of the other options, but um, you know, they have versatile players. I think you can if you can add another defensive guy, especially with Ubre being more of an offensive player at this point. Beal kind of the same, even though they're both have some defensive talent to have somebody like Okoye who can come in. He's a really energetic player, pretty young. I think that's a good pick. I think overall, I think if the Wizards had a draft where they can move back and still get Robert Williams and then pick up Josh Okoye, I think that's a really good draft for them, to be honest. Yeah, I mean, I think the more I think about that trade, it actually makes a lot of sense because every year I feel like you come away, Washington is quietly decent at drafting and acquiring players. I mean, Tomas Sadoransky, the guy who was Wall's backup, and replacement while he was injured this year was really good. And like we said, Ubre and Porter, they both drafted and developed both of those guys kind of from the teens. So especially if you can get two firsts and, and trust your player development system, I think that they could really get a lot better if they did something like that. I guess we can move on to our final selection this mock draft. I appreciate you guys all listening in for part one and part two. If you haven't listened to part one, go check that out because you might be confused of what's been going on in the last 30 or so minutes. But Number 31, the Suns are back on the clock with our final selection. And guess what? I am Ryan McDonough in this situation. I'm dialing up Jerry West and Steve Ballmer in L.A. So, Brennan, what do you think about 31 straight up for Patrick Beverly? I don't know. Have you uh, seen anything about his health lately? I guess if you're Steve Ballmer in this situation, then you would know. Is he healthy? Can he play for me next year? Um. You know what? From my point of view, I, I, I honestly think the microfracture surgery is a very, very risky thing. I proposed 16 in my trade idea with him, which is probably too rich for a lot of people's blood. But do you, I, honestly, I just keep coming back to the point of they need someone to hold them accountable in Phoenix. And I think Beverly's going to do that immediately. But what do you think on that? Because I know we can – honestly, I'm very, very, very high on I this. think I would do it, actually. I think I would do it. Okay. Why, why is even that? If he's, even if he's injured – I don't think, I mean, really just because we've gotten this far and we haven't made a trade, the Suns aren't going to take, I don't even think that they take three rookies. It seems unlikely. I think either there's a consolidation or they move and take a future asset in return for something. It just seems really unlikely that they take three rookies. Um, Who knows what they do at 59. They could easily stash that guy and make him a two-way player, you know, whatever that ends up being. You keep him in the G-League, G-League the majority of the year. Um, so I think it just seems likely, and that's a pretty good offer. He's only making $5 million this year, so they are adding salary there, um, but they can still be flexible enough to, they're not going to go over the, uh, into the luxury tax by any means by adding him with that small salary. He expires next year, which continues their, uh, priorities of being a more aggressive in the summer of 2019. Um, you're kind of rolling the dice there with Brandon Knight and, um, Patrick Beverly both having some health concerns as your two point guards, but I don't think that's too big of a problem. Uh, you know, you have some depth behind them. We just drafted Troy Brown for the team. Devin Booker handles the ball quite a bit. So I think I would do it. 
Okay, so from the Suns' point of view, we can just lock that in now. Patrick Beverly for number 31. I think that makes a lot of sense on draft night. If I was in McDonough's shoes, I would easily do that deal. But from the Suns' point of view, I know you just explained for the Clippers' side, but why should the Suns do that? Well, I mean, I think Beverly is a fit next to Booker, and now that we've gone through the whole first round, we didn't really get that guy. Troy Brown maybe eventually, but the Suns want to compete next year, and you know they'll make some moves in free agency, I'm sure, and get a little better that way. But finding a starting caliber point guard for as cheap as $5 million like Beverly's making, even considering the risk that he is as an injury guy, I don't think that is something you're going to find in free agency. So I think uh, really it's just about getting the guy that they weren't able to get at 1 or 16. Honestly, I, I would be very comfortable, even though, like you mentioned, the injury risk, for just one season if they want to get maybe a guy in 2019 or 2020 via trade or free agency. A, a point guard rotation of Beverly, Knight, and one of Harrison or Euless isn't really that bad, in my opinion. No, I think, I mean, it's a massive upgrade over what they had last year. So, And you really were still able to draft two players um, and address the need with a 31st pick. I think also the way to consider it, too, could just be to say that Beverly's probably better than at least for this season, especially better than any of the players they could have just drafted straight up at 31. Oh, absolutely. I agree with that. For I guess since you're back on the clock with the final pick, we might as well just make the pick for them. I'm leaning. Clippers. I, what'd you say? I said the Clippers. Yeah, I guess they have to pick at 31 now. Oh, yeah, that's right. And I guess from yeah. my point of view, if I was suggesting to you, I would go point guard and fill the need for Patrick Beverly. But where are you going to go? Yeah, see, I mean, they still have Milos Teodosic, Austin Rivers. I'll probably just go get best player available. Who did they take at 12 and 13 again? They had yep. Shea and... They took McHale at 12. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. So they did get a point guard, too, right there with Shea. So, and McHale's a wing. Hmm, yeah, let me see who's available here. I would probably go with... I feel like they're going to be a little bit more conservative about it to get a contributor. They kind of did that last year with two picks in the top 35 or whatever in the second round. I'll just throw a suggestion Um, your way, but I kind of like Landry Shamit there. Yeah, Yeah, but we just drafted Shea. I was actually thinking maybe Hutchison, just because I don't think he really falls that far. And he's another kind of wing with some playmaking upside. That's something they don't really have. So I'll go with him, but I... uh, I can't say that I feel amazing about it. I guess that's kind of the problem once you start to get into the second round. Yeah, that's true. I guess now, since we've gone through 31 picks the last 80, 90 or so minutes, just what's your thoughts on the Suns overall before we end today's podcast? Because we walked out of here with DeAndre Ayton, Troy Brown, plus Patrick Beverly. That's kind of the perfect draft scenario if they were going to go DeAndre Ayton, isn't it? I think it is. I think that to get that playmaking upside, some shooting from Beverly – um, not acquiring any, obviously, don't see them doing this, but to not acquire any future salary, to not, um, you know, put themselves in a bad position where they're giving up too much in a trade. I think the one trade that they did is perfectly reasonable, even maybe something that the Clippers would ask for more value for. Who knows, really, with, with Beverly's injury history. But, yeah, walking away with those three guys, I think, is a real victory. I agree, and I think, honestly, that would receive a high grade from me, even though we both are on the Luka Doncic train. That's not going to end for me, unfortunately, for everyone listening. I'm, I still have Luka number one on my board. But just 
if we had to give a grade immediately on this, if this is actually how it goes down on Thursday night with Aiden, Troy Brown, and Pat, training for Patrick Beverly's number 31, what grade would you give it? I think I'd probably give him a, like a B, B plus. Okay. I mean, I think Aiden's, it's tough to really grade them too hard on that because it's kind of been telegraphed from the start. So I think even though that's not what I would do, that's obviously a, a great pick and awesome use of the opportunity to have the number one overall pick to get somebody that talented that everybody raves about and then to fill in behind him with some guys who make sense. I think you can't really do much better than that. I mean, maybe there's some craziness that they could have done to really get an A, but besides that, I, I yeah, it's can't really think of a better situation. Maybe there's a maybe maybe getting some shooting at sixteen would have been better, but I don't know if there was an answer there that made a ton of sense. You know what? I'm going to be a little more generous. I'm going to go A minus just because we've been thinking DeAndre Aiden's the guy ever since that press conference. So if they're actually high on Aiden, I'll go an A minus just because I think this makes more sense for them. And Patrick Beverly kind of boosts that grade for me too. Getting him alongside Aiden will, I think makes a huge difference right away. So I guess we can end the podcast there, Bren. We, we've been tediously going through this draft process. We made a couple of trades in the part one, a couple of trades in part two. Some really interesting ones that are actually really realistic. So I think you, the listeners will really like how we did this today. Just What's your thoughts on this mock draft overall before we end it? How did it go for you? Yeah, it's fun to include the trades because, like I said, I mean, I've mentioned a bunch of times I do them for fans every week, but it's tough with needing to get them out. There are thousands of words every week trying to get them out every week. I don't do these trades. It's not as fun to, without thinking about those, and that's obviously a huge part of watching and experiencing draft night. So, like we said, there's probably going to be quite a few with how much – noise is out there right now and so to include that and i think that some of the rising and falling that just naturally happens when you sketch it out like that was interesting to think about with anthony melton and zaire smith and players like that so uh it should be interesting i think it's a good way to preview the draft and i will have our mailbag on wednesday to kind of get back to a really specific sun's perspective and then respond to whatever they end up doing on thursday night at, at the arena after talking to ryan mcdonough yeah, it's going to be super fun the next couple of days. If you guys want to get in on the mailbag, it's going to be on Twitter this time, not Reddit. So tweet at us all your questions. We'll answer every single one if it's about the Suns at Locked On PHX Suns. So get get on over on our Twitter page. Follow us. We're over a thousand followers. Appreciate the support so far. We're going to end today's podcast on that note. We did part one yesterday. We're part two today. We'll be back with you guys tomorrow for our mailbag. We are 